Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Well, good morning, you guys. Happy Father's Day. Um, Anyone else feel like life is just better now that the Nuggets won the NBA Finals? It's just better. You know, the music is catchier, the sun is brighter, the people are nicer, the traffic is better. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Um, You know, traffic hasn't really changed. If anything, it's gotten worse, but it feels better, you know. I always found it funny growing up that no matter where you move, one of the first things people tell you about that location is how bad the traffic and the drivers are. It's like no matter where you go, that's like the first thing. Like the first thing you got to know, like, The drivers here are the worst in the world. And like, I mean, how could that be? You know, it's strange because those people never included themselves in that statistic. Like you do realize you are one of those drivers, right? Um, Well, apparently not. As a recent study has come forward claiming that 88% of Americans believe they are an above average driver. 88%. Now, I will be the first to admit that, like, math was not my subject growing up. I was more of an English guy, but, like, 88%, that's impossible. Um, It's hilarious, but it's impossible and a little sad. You know, other countries ranked much more reasonably um, in their assessments, but apparently here in the States, we all think we're doing a stellar job behind the wheel and that it's always the other person's fault in a given situation. So this doesn't stop at driving either. You know, I, I actually think... In the very core of who we are, we have a pride problem. Um, And this problem is at odds with how scripture invites us to act. So um, today, as we continue through our Summerwise Proverbs series, we're going to be talking a little bit about where pride leads and the freedom of humility um, in a world that's forgotten all about it. So um, many of the Proverbs actually directly compare humility and pride. Um, And so one of those is the one we're starting with today. So Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. So you can carry yourself with pride, you know, an overwhelming sense of inward glorification, or with humility. And you may be wondering what humility means in the context of the Bible, and luckily for us, there is a verse for that. So in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So humility means valuing others above yourself. It means not looking to your own interests, but the interests of the other. And as I read this verse, is there anyone that you're reminded of, anyone you think of? Um, I'm reminded of an old roommate I had named Daniel. Um, So Daniel was a pretty funny guy, and his nickname was actually Ginger Jesus. Um, The reason for that is he was a ginger, and he looked exactly like Jesus. You know, he had the long hair, he had the beard, dude wore sandals no matter what the weather was. Um, But he didn't just look like Jesus. His actions reflected him. Um, He would constantly serve and love on other people, but he would do it in such a way that it was very obvious that he wasn't doing it for the credit. Um, The day that I moved in, um, he noticed that my bike tire was extremely crooked. Um, You know, I would bike around and I would look like an insane person because I was just like bouncing around so much. I got it for free on Facebook Marketplace, don't judge me. Um, The next day, I was biking to class and I noticed that my bike was like normal again. You know, I could bike in a straight line without fear of like falling off the curb. And 
You know, I get off my bike and I notice a brand new tire, like neatly secured on my bike. And that's Ginger Jesus. And another pair of friends I had ran into some car trouble. They didn't have the money to do the repairs and this was like a big problem for them. Um, you know, they shared one car and they both needed it to get to work every week. And so they left it at the repair shop overnight and they went home to, to pray and kind of figure something out for the next week. Well, they get back um, the next day and they are surprised to see their t car totally fixed. You know, the worker comes over, he's like, hey, like right after you guys left, someone came in and paid for your car in full. And they were like, oh my gosh, like who was it? He's like, I didn't get his name, but he had a long orange beard, Ginger Jesus. So if you've had the pleasure of knowing someone like Daniel, I think you would agree that people like that are just the best. You know, like they're interested in serving and loving and lifting you up when you're down, but you know, not for the self-glory or the thanks that they get. They want to do it because they care about you. And that's the beauty of humility. It's genuine passion and care for others with no hidden motive for yourself. So if we all agree humble people are the best, then why do so many of us fall into pride? Well, in the wise words of Bree Warner, you don't have to really teach someone to be prideful. Right? Like from a young age, it is so much easier to grasp pride than it is humility. I mean, think about like how many times your parents had to tell you to like share your toys with other people before that finally started to like make sense in your mind. Um, I also think the world rewards prideful behavior. There's instant gratification in doing something nice for the sake of building yourself up um, and looking good. It's almost like building a resume for yourself that reminds you of how great a person you are because of the things that you do. Similar to a resume, though, it's expected that you keep going and keep building up to bigger and better things, forgetting about the simple things that came before. You know, how can I look even better? How can I outdo myself? At a certain point, you can't, and that leads to a feeling of emptiness. Uh, but the Proverbs are actually telling us the opposite of what the world does. Proverbs 29, 23 says, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Pride will bring you low. Pride can only supply you for so long until it runs out and you're left with nothing. And it's plain to see for others around you as well. When you meet someone like this, you remember that they're only truly interested in themselves and what they can gain. Conversely, the thing that we would remember from meeting a truly humble person is how much they seem totally interested in us. You guys have probably heard this famous quote on humility from C.S. Lewis. It says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking less of myself, it's thinking of myself less. And that's good stuff, so I'm gonna read that again. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking less of myself, it's thinking of myself less. Gospel humility is not needing to think about yourself, not needing to connect things with yourself. It's an end to thoughts such as, I'm in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? You know, do I want to be here right now? True humility means you stop connecting every experience and every conversation with yourself. Stop thinking only about yourself. Growing up, I knew someone who would start every single sentence with, for me, and then they would proceed to give their own experience or opinion about what you were talking about. Anyone else know anyone like that growing up? I mean, it makes it harder to feel cared for or heard by that person. And like their thoughts are way more important than yours. 
It's tough. Heading back into scripture, Proverbs 12, 9, you know, brutally compares the two lifestyles. Better to be lowly and to have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Posing a question, is it better to be successful or to appear successful for the world to see? According to passages such as this, it's better to be obscure, to be meek, and yet successful than to be someone whose reputation goes well beyond their actual accomplishments. It's funny, this verse actually always reminds me of the character Gilderoy Lockhart from uh, the second Harry Potter movie. Um, you know, here's this man obsessed with himself and his accomplishments despite all of his books being plagiarized, you know, all of his adventures are made up. He plays the great man. And in the end, he ends up losing his memory of all those things. And you're just left with like nothing of a person. Um, and you know, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when uh, Lockhart duels Professor Snape in the Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Um, and you know, Lockhart hasn't taught any of his students anything about magic at this point. Um, it's just kind of an opportunity for him to like flex on him, like right off the bat. And so, you know, naturally, Snape destroys him and sends him flying across the room. And Snape suggests, you know, hey, maybe you should teach the class how to actually defend for magic in this Defense Against the Dark Arts class. To which Lockhart responds, it was oh too obvious what Snape was going to do and that he could have stopped him if he wanted to. Which actually leads me to my next point. You know, when you live a prideful life, criticism and counsel be, become extremely difficult to take. What are meant as things to simply grow and improve you become personal, targeted, you know, attacks that question your character. The world tells you to deal with the criticism by saying, who cares what they think? I know what I think. And that's a dangerous thing because as Matt talked about last week, you know, receiving counsel is a huge part of biblical friendships and sharpening your brothers and sisters in Christ. So people are either devastated by this criticism or they aren't because they don't listen to it and they won't listen to it. They'll learn from it because they don't care about it. They know who they are and what they think. In other words, these people are saying the only solution to low self-esteem is pride. But as we talked about, that's not a solution at all. Both low self-esteem and pride are obstacles to our future and to everyone around us. Humble people are the complete opposite. When they get criticism, it doesn't deflate them, it fills them up. It's an opportunity to grow, to change, and to do better. Earlier we heard the Proverbs say that humility leads to wisdom and to honor. You will grow as a person if you live the humble life. These are all great things, but the Proverbs also talk about direct rewards for the humble life. Proverbs 22.4 states, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Now you may notice that this reward is not only for the humble, but also for those who fear the Lord. So fear of the Lord refers to someone who is continually in submission to God um, in, and lives a humble life in, uh, in faith. So the person who lives a humble life and fear the Lord gains heavenly riches and honor and life. But what does all that actually mean? Proverbs chapter 19, 23 kind of tells us that a little bit more clearly. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. So the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is a life, a content life, untouched by trouble. Doesn't that sound amazing? A state of peaceful happiness awaits for anyone who lives a life of humbleness. While the person seeking self-gratification will eventually hit a wall 
the content person will continue to live a life of happiness and servitude to others. Uh, Alfred Nobel, the man who is famous for establishing the Nobel Peace Prize, once said that contentment is the only real wealth. It's funny, he actually said that after using all of his remaining wealth um, to create the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, so if this is the case, you know, if contentment is the only real wealth, that's an incredible reward to gain. So where does Jesus enter the picture in this? Well, what was Jesus if not the most humble person that ever lived? He's God of everything, but he chose to, came to come to earth as a baby, to grow and to know what it is to be human, to be tempted, to face trials to better know us. He died for the sins of all of mankind, mankind, not to impress the Pharisees, not for like a gotcha moment when he came back to life, but because he loves every single person that has and will ever live. And he wants to carry the burden that we never can. I recently heard an interesting illustration of the gospel um, that I wanted to share with you guys. So just pretend for a moment that you're just a child and you're hitting baseballs in your front yard across the street, not a care in the world. And suddenly, you score your best hit of the day. You know, you just demolish the ball. Well, you watch in horror as the ball crashes into a Lamborghini sports car um, and shatters the window. A neighbor comes out, and you're just on your knees crying, you know. I will repay this. I will fix this. And the neighbor responds, no, you can't. You can't. And he's right. You can't. You're just a child. You have no money. You have no resources. No way to fix this situation, but then he says, I will pay for it. I will fix it. And you look at this man in astonishment. You know, why would this man do this for you? And he says, because I love you. And that's Jesus. And that's why we follow him. He's good. He's powerful. And he's a humble God that will always choose serving his people over serving himself. So it's one thing to talk and to think about humility, but you know, actually changing the way you live to be more humble is another thing entirely. So I've got a couple next steps for you guys as we finish up here. The first is just to remember that C.S. Lewis quote. Um, humility is not thinking of yourself less, or thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So being a humble person doesn't mean losing your self-worth. It means being content with the awesome creation that you already are through Jesus and helping others to see the same through loving and serving them out of a place of kindness. Second, be teachable. You know, as I talked about earlier, if you struggle to accept criticism or counsel, it's probably coming out of a place of pride. The humble will always learn from their mistakes and see humiliation and failure as an opportunity to be better in the future. Third, I want you to check your intentions. Um, giving gifts can feel better than receiving them. I think we all know that. But does that feeling for you come out of giving the gift or like receiving the praise from giving the gift afterwards? Remember the words of Philippians 2. I'll read it again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And finally, focus on Jesus. Now, if you're wondering what does living a completely humble and meaningful life look like, 
it looks like Jesus Christ. Jesus paints a perfect picture of what living a humble life looks like and the impact it has on every single person that you interact with. You become what you focus on, so focus on Jesus. And even if you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I invite you to really take some time and examine the way that he lived his life and be moved, be challenged, be amazed at the ways that Christ lays down his life for us. Humility can sometimes be seen as weak in our culture, but I think the true reality is that the strongest people are the ones that can deny themselves, that can be self-forgetful and serve the other. So my challenge to you is to be that person, to be humble, to think of yourself less, to serve the other, and to be content in your life with Jesus. Let's pray. Um, Lord, we just thank you for today. Um, thank you for the opportunity to spend time in the Proverbs, um, talk about the differences between a prideful life um, and a humble life. Lord, you know that one of those lives leads to contentment and joy in the Lord, and, and one of those lives does not. Um, so pray. God, I pray that um, we would be convicted and, um, God, that we would seek the humble life, um, that we would seek you, we would focus on you, Lord. Um, yeah, I pray for just a fun and safe rest of the day for everyone as we celebrate our fathers and um, we celebrate you. So, God, we love you, we need you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.